if we don't figure out how to create equal opportunity, equal access, equal education for individuals with diverse backgrounds, then we won't have a workforce in 20 years. Welcome to Learning Unboxed, a conversation about teaching, learning, and the future of work. This is Annalise Corbin, Chief Goddess of the Past Foundation and your host. We hear frequently that the global education system is broken. In fact, we spend billions of dollars trying to fix something that's actually not broken at all, but rather irrelevant. It's obsolete. A hundred years ago, it functioned fine. So let's talk about how we reimagine, rethink, and redesign our educational system. So today we're going to talk about the future of employment. So as always, super excited about the conversation we're going to have. And in particular, my guest today, because we have with us Dr. Rachel Angel, who is president and CEO of a company called Anexus. But really, she's going to talk with us about her work and their work as a developers of something called Puro, um, which is an interactive software that engages young adults seeking employment. And I, for one, am super, super excited about this because it's a space that we're all talking about that's really, really complex, both for those seeking employment and those looking to hire. And I think that this is going to be a wonderful conversation. So uh, Rachel, thank you for joining us today. No, thank you for having me. This is great. So I want to dive right in because over the last uh, week and a half or so um, at PASS, we have hired a number of young adults um, into part-time work that we hope uh, scales with them as they move sort of through their own journeys. Um, and it's it's a really complex thing to do, both for the young folks seeking employment and for the companies trying to make that right hire just in time, especially in the middle of a global pandemic. So let's let's just dig right in and and tell us about what what is Piro? Give us give us the background. Sure, sure, sure. So let me, I mean, first and foremost, thank you again for having me on the show. And then, you know, Piro was uh, is called a career pathway management system. We coined this term of a career pathway management system. So we absolutely try to get young adults into immediate entry level employment. But the bigger thing that we want to accomplish is not only to get you an entry level employment, but to get you on a pathway to um, a greater career, higher mm-hmm. livable wages. And this is sounds simple, but it's just a really difficult thing to do. And I kind of talk about like what are all the difficult things and why why what makes this difficult. Well, when you really think about like the the process of a young person going from a, this kind of individual that's like, oh, I want to make my own money, yay! You know, let me go find a job that I can actually do, and it's typically something like throwing papers on a <laughs> on someone's driveway or sweeping up hair. Mm-hmm. All those things matter to how well you're able to progress yourself through life and through the career that you find passion in. And so, how do in somewhere we've kind of lost this process and we've gotten confused. And mainly because the nature of society now is that positions change quickly. Like you, mm-hmm. the positions that we're going to have four years from now, we probably don't even know what they are or even what they're called. So how do you prepare yourself for that? Um, and how do you make sure that we're creating an environment that is one, allowing young people to access opportunity at 16 and 15 years right. old, helping them leverage that to get to the next step and the next step after that and having companies clearly define what that is. What is that actual pathway? 
And then within that pathway, there are resources that are required in order to get someone there. So I'll give you an example. If you're uh, if you're a company like Kroger, you might hire hire IT individuals, but you may not train IT. Right. Where do you actually get that training from? So there's a whole path and there's a whole ecosystem that exists. And we wanted to create a platform that made sure that we clearly defined that and made it very simple through an app to go through each step that you needed to take in order to get to that end goal. And at the end of it, provide an interview with the employer that actually is providing that. And I think that one of the things I love probably more than anything else about what you just said is the fact that you put career and passion side by side. Because Mm. I think that's the other amazing disconnect. And certainly for us, and one of the reasons why we are so adamant about engaging students very young and trying to find a way in our work, largely through STEM, but also through opportunity and experience. That's what it's all about. I can't grow up to become a thing if I've never explored it experienced it, been able to reach out and touch it, been able to find folks that look like me and come from the same places or the same experiences that I have. And the hope is that somewhere along the way, if we can scaffold opportunity for your journey, right, that we can help folks find careers in the things they love, not just a job, but truly a passion that will let them make a difference in the world. That's that's power. That is power. And I think that, you know, so my story of how I even became a pharmacist, I was, um, I was like, I was kind of like a B, C, sometimes A student. And I was sitting in class and I, there's the valedictorians in the class and I'm somewhat of a class clown. I'm like, hey, Nicole, <laughs> what do you want to be when you grow up? And she's right. like, I I want to be a chef. And I was like, a chef? I, I can't believe you. What do you mean a chef? So anyway, I must have gave her the look. Like, I, I thought you would be like a rocket scientist, but she wanted to be a chef. So then she says, well, my mom wants me to be a pharmacist. And I, I was like, oh, okay. Well, what's that and why? Mm-hmm. You know, she tells me what a pharmacist is. And she said, well, because they just make a lot of money and they're in demand. It's like, okay, great. I'm going to do that. <laughs> <laughs> And then from that conversation on, I spent the next 10 years, I had to be 15 years old. So I spent the next nine to 10 years mm-hmm. working on becoming a pharmacist and not really ever, I had never been exposed to what a pharmacist was prior to that. And so how in the world can right. someone make a decision about a career, about their future, if it's uninformed, you got to figure out how to inform young people. And it's got to be for a lot of like companies, it's got to be more than just a philanthropic effort. It right. can't just be philanthropy. This, this matters. This matters mm-hmm. to society. This matters to business. It matters to you when you become 75 and you may need someone's help. You need someone's help in the hospital and you hope that there's a nurse there to help you along. That is the investment that you made when you were capable and able to expose, to develop, and help a young person get through um, this matriculation into an opportunity or a career that might be appropriate for them. And that matters. It matters. Mm -hmm. It matters every step of our lives. It absolutely matters. And I think that 
It's one of those pieces that's, like you said, when we first started the conversation, somewhere along the way, we, we lost this sense of need and urgency and, quite frankly, purpose. Mm-hmm. So, so let's step back. So, um, but let's, let's look at this, this question from the company, the industry side. So you've built out this platform, and I will circle back around to the sort of student or user experience. But from the industry side, walk me through... Um, how this works for us and where and why we would want to partner with Puro as opposed to the traditional way we've always been doing it. I would argue it doesn't work, but that's neither here nor there. Side note. But but let's just put that hat on for a minute. Well, because we're one, I want to be very clear. We're not in a traditional society. Anymore. No, exactly. We're in a society where we come and we meet someone and we shake their hand and we have a conversation. So our youth don't know that world. And so we can't try to force them to be a part of that world that they don't know. What we can do, if we're being sincere about this, is be a help meet them where they are and say that the world that you have is okay, and we'll be a part of it. And so that's the, I think that's the first thing. You know, mm-hmm. anything traditional, it's probably not the right way to go because we don't live in a traditional society. The second thing is that we have so much information out here, um, and we have so many different resources and so many different things all over the place. We have to get to a point where we can agree to be in one place. We, we can agree that we need to centralize some information to make it easy for our youth to find what they need to do and for us to be able and for them to be able to follow those pathways one by one. So we and we know data and stats tell us that if a person knows their pathway, and they have a very clear pathway, they'll make a lot more money over the course of their lifetime than if they had no clue or no understanding of that. So, so even in, in Franklin County right now, we work with um, a lot of nonprofits. Mm-hmm. We work with county directly. Um, what they've done, and NCUS is an organization um, that is just a model, just an amazing model for what we do. And the reason I say that is because they've created IT and healthcare pathways. They are, they, they are connected to high schools. They are providing training. Um, within their organization. Mm-hmm. Not only are they providing training within their organization, at the completion of that training, there is an employment opportunity at the end, and you can clearly see that. So they do that with their healthcare um, pathway. Mm-hmm. So you can see Mercy Hospital. This is the opportunity at the end. Here's the steps to take. Here's the training. We're going to provide that for you. And then here, here, young people, here's a platform so that you can walk through that. Mm-hmm. And they're with healthcare and IT. So any organization that can clearly define opportunity, the pathway to get there, get them in the system and continuously get them through pathways, they should be on the system because we then can hand that over to a guidance counselor and a guidance counselor can make sure no young adult leaves high school without being placed on a path. Which is absolutely critically important. And the other thing that I sort of love about my my perusing and through the information um, was also the fact that there's the potential for micro certificates or credentialing that comes with this. And what we see at PAST, um, no matter what program we're talking about, is the minute you open up an opportunity that comes with a credential or stackable opportunities that suddenly the the the, the demand is so much higher um, and i think that you know if we can get more traditional sort of thoughts, I guess, if you will, or the thinking of the world to, to recognize that, 
you know, life happens. We don't always have the opportunity to go all the way through school uh, to become a pharmacist or to become a nurse or to become whatever that thing that is that we want to do. But that if we could figure out meaningful ways to take small chunks of that learning and stack it, you know, that way when life does interfere, you know, my, my favorite is we had a kiddo here. I'll never forget this young woman. She dreamed she wanted to be a nurse for as long as, as I met, met this young woman in middle school, right? She wanted to be a nurse. She was going to be the first kid in her family to go to college, and that's what she wanted to do. She was really passionate about it. And then her mom, you know, she was about, oh, I don't know, um, a year and a half into post-secondary, um, you know, into nursing school, and her mom got cancer. And there was, there was no one to help, right? And so she had to leave school to go and take care of her mom, who unfortunately lingered for several years. But the, the, the thing that was so important and so meaningful, and the, the reason I share this story is because along the way, we sort of helped make sure that she got every stackable cert in her training that she could, so that when she had to step away from school, she could at least work in the industry she loved. So we had helped her get um, um, her certificate to be a, a, a licensed EMT. Mm, okay. Right? Awesome. And, and so that was a huge step along the way. It's not a traditional thing that somebody going through nursing school takes the time to do, but we built it in as a training module. So all she had to do was sit for the test. So she could be employed, she could have benefits she needed, and then after her mom passed away, she went back to school. But that would have never been possible for her. She would have gotten some other job doing some other thing, and she may not have ever, she might have gotten so far away from the thing that she loved that she wouldn't have been able to figure out how to, to, to finish. And, and I think that it's thinking like that, which is what part of what I love about the fact that you have those micro certifications tied to this somehow is really important. Yeah, absolutely. So we store all the micro certifications into a profile. We also, in the pathway, any organization that's on our system, if they're capable, if they're able to do this, you can actually provide the training on our platform. So if wow. within their, their pathway is training, you can actually give them the training and they could, it could auto-grade or it can be open-ended and you'd have to grade and confirm when you're in. Um, but then whatever certification that you have, it automatically goes into their profile. And from here on out, any person or any company that attaches that certification requirement to their opportunity, they are, they are now showing in their pathway that that's completed and they're at least 25% there. So that is, um, and then we have a progress bar for every position. So you can see that you're 25% there, 35% there, whatever the case may be. Um, and so there is opportunity there to do exactly what you're talking about. But the number one thing that you said is information. Mm-hmm. And a lot of one, we we've got two things that we have to address before we can we can get to pathways, credentials, and progression. And that is need. There's usually need and there's access. And so, how do we address the fact that I need um, capital now? Right. And, and how do I address the fact that I may not have the access to this information? Um, and, and duplicating you and I, how do we duplicate ourselves? Right. We can only talk to so many people. Come in contact right. with. Right. And that's what I think that we're really focused on trying to solve and getting, you know, and getting as engaged and making sure the platform is as intuitive as possible um, in order to make sure that we're making that happen. Yeah. So how how many places, how broadly 
is this platform deployed at this point? So how many users, how many companies? Um, I'm, I'm trying to really sort of get a saturation and scale, you know, as it relates to then my follow-up question. So Okay, sure. No problem. So we um, have a private presence in Cleveland, um, Franklin, and Cincinnati. So right now, Franklin County, we have close to about 500 young people on the platform. Mm-hmm. And Cleveland, we put 5,000 young people on our platform. This actually was a mistake because what we found <laughs> was that young people want opportunity. They're hungry for it, but we've got to get them the opportunities. Right. And one of the most biggest challenges for us is that we have to engage um, companies into a process that they're not used to being a part of. Like being a part of a process that really says you got you have to create pathways and some people won't go into these pathways or you won't see the results of these pathways for two or three years. That's a hard pill to swallow mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. a company because they are usually looking for results within 12 months. Right. And so that's like our that's one of our bigger challenges, but we're overcoming it. And I think people are coming to the realization that we need this. But to answer your question, I mean we're we're new to Cincinnati. Okay. Um, we have about We've engaged about 30 companies. Um, then we have about 10 different um, agencies or nonprofits and organizations mm-hmm. on the platform as well. Um, I think that we definitely have some more work to do in terms of getting as many concentration and getting as many verticals on the platform right. as possible. But we've done pretty well up until this point. So then given that, and given that saturation in terms of the sort of the... It's not really a pilot at this point because you're 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 deploying at scale, different scale in these three different locations. But I assume that your 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 intent is to be very broadly available all over the U.S. and potentially other parts of the world. I, I may maybe one day, um, but but with the 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 group that you have and the time that you've been running this, are you seeing? Are you seeing trends as it relates to workforce? Um, specifically, what I'm asking for is, because we get asked this question all the time, especially from our K-12 partners that are working on pathways um, to career for their students, which is great. We encourage them to do that. But but what are the trends that you are seeing? Because, I, you know, it's always posted in-demand jobs, all of that sort of stuff that's going on. But Sometimes where the rubber meets the road is not the same as the public perception or what it is that we're saying out loud in sort of those social spaces. So what's the reality of the trends that you're seeing? Yeah, so there's a lot going on right now. So where where did we start? I mean, COVID brought on a whole different situation. I mean, than what we had six months ago. We had a job, we had... It was clear that we had a bunch of positions open and we didn't have anyone to fill it. Everybody was employed. Everybody had a job. Right. And then here came, there, there came COVID. And then all of a sudden people stopped having employment. But right now what we're hearing from employers is still that people are, there's plenty of positions open, but people are not taking those positions. Right. So we have an issue right now where companies are scrambling to get employment opportunities filled, even though the narrative, it seems like in the mm-hmm. media is, that there is no work. So, you know, there's this kind of confusion right now, I mm-hmm. think, the general workforce employment opportunity. The other thing that I think, and we're specifically talking about youth, I think that there is something that has happened that we just overlooked and we didn't realize it happened. The thing that we we don't have right now is a lot of opportunities for you that are up between the ages of 14 and 17 years old. Yeah, yeah. This is a big 
you know, I don't even think companies realize how impactful this, the, the, the amount of time that we've seen this happen is. The reason why I say that is that maybe it's because of policy. You know, maybe there's some policies that need to be adjusted in order to, to deal with this issue. Is just that some of the hardest workers, some of the most com- committed individuals in society that work for different companies will tell you that I started working when I was 13 or 14 mm-hmm. years old. Mm-hmm the paper route, you know, some odd job. And so there's a ton of, I can get into details why this is happening, but we may or may not have time for. But to me, what the trend that I'm seeing is that youth are not going into employment. And then we're starting to, companies are starting to communicate that a lot of the individuals that are coming in entry level, whether that's with a a degree or without a degree, they don't have soft skills or they don't know how to communicate or they don't know how to do these things. It's a combination of, yes, that our culture is now more social and we have a, so, a social identity online and we have one in person. It's two, almost two completely different people. But there's also an issue with the fact that we've excluded these young people out of the workforce and now they're in, unable to get that development that they once had 10 years ago. So that's, a, I think, that's the biggest issue that I'm seeing right now. And I think you're spot on on that. I, we see the same thing. And, um, you know, as we think about the fact that when folks apply, you know, we have a fair number of folks that will apply to want to come in and work with us in the summer. They're college kids, right? Um, and you would think that when they apply, they, to your point, they would have, you know, small, odd jobs, but this whole series of experiences they've had that, you know, as an employer, you would hope that that has given you the sort of breadth and depth of who you are, a work ethic that you at least have some basic understanding of what it means to have a job. And yet we see people who that, you know, them applying to come work with us in the summer is the first time they've even applied for a job. Because to your point, society has shifted so much. And yet the flip side of it, the the, the young man that quite literally I just hired oh, a few minutes before we, <laughs> we hopped on this call, he's 16 years old and this will be at least his third job. And we first hired him as an intern. Obviously, he's still in high school as a paid apprenticeship. And now we want him to actually come and have a full part-time job while he finishes high school and into college working for our company. And the best part of this, and and the reason I, I mention it is because of the difference, because he has come from a situation where I believe, I don't know this for sure, but that he's probably had a number of jobs. So as soon as he was legally able to work, I think this young man has probably had a job because he needed it for himself and for his family, right? So he says to me, even though the, the, the job he has right now, his after-school job, if you will, um, it's, it's a fast food restaurant. Great. That's awesome. But he said, well, you know, I can't start when you wanted me to start because even though it's just fast food, I still have to give them two weeks notice. It's like, oh, wow. that's the kid we want to hire, right? Yeah. I'm like, you can wait two weeks. Your job will still be here. Yes. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. So, and that's amazing. You, that's a perfect, perfect example of these little things that we see um, within an individual that we say, this is indicative of a great employee. Exactly. We don't give young people opportunity because they're most motivated. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't care what background you come from. Usually as a kid, you're motivated to get your own money at yep. some point. Yep. And that's typically happens around 12, 13 years yep. old. And if we don't capture that at that time, then we'll be struggling to help teach these lessons that you learn along the way. I'll give you um, a conversation I had 
with um, one of our young people that we had placed into a cashier position. They got placed into being a cashier um, at one of the local, local grocery stores. And maybe two, three months later, after um, she had been placed and she'd been working, she said, she's like, I just don't want to be a cashier anymore. I don't want to do, I don't want to be a cashier. And and the teacher thought that I would take that as a negative or that that would be an issue for me. But that's exactly, exactly the conversation yeah. I want you to have with yourself. That is exactly the conversation that you should be having at 15 and 16 years old so that you can start working towards something else. Right. That's it. And if we don't let them have that conversation then and we wait till they're 18, there's a whole slew of other issues that come along that then makes someone, forces someone to be mm-hmm. in that position when they could have changed it two years ago. And I don't, and I don't know if people fully realize that there's a, there is a natural progression when you talk about the matriculation and the development of a young person to be a great employee. And if we don't like rec- start to recognize that, take it seriously as a full community, We'll continue to see these trends with um, young people not in employment education or training. Mm-hmm. Now, I absolutely, again, we see exactly the same thing. And so, you know, it's really funny because we we have a process and we we have a fair number of, of young people. And what we have learned, because we run programs in STEM, a lot of STEM summer camps, if you will, programs. And we call them camps because that's what parents' expectations <laughs> broadly are, right? But that's not really what they are. The secret of the sauce is these are workforce experience opportunities, right? So we bring them in. We're going to teach you how to fly drones. We're going to teach you how to do computer science. We're going to teach you, um, we, we even had one um, called Pills of Potions a few years ago. It was all about, you want to be a, in, in pharmacy or pharmaceuticals. You know, you, we're going to scaffold you into all these things. And what we learned years ago is that we could take those kids in middle school, run them through those programs. And then in high school, as, as we keep running them through more of these, and, and again, it's all about, hey, we're hoping along the way you find a thing you love. Yes. Right, and, and if you can find a thing you love, then we're going to help you figure out how that could be a job and a career path for you. But the other piece that we've also found um, through this process um, over time has that by the time the kids become juniors, seniors in high school, maybe first or second years in either career, tech or college or, or job, whatever that happens to be, that they are amazing teachers of other young people, that near-peer mentoring piece as part of this. And so we bring them back. And so some of these kiddos that, that, that we have, their first jobs are back with us because they're great facilitators of other kids exploring and experiencing. And I think there's a tremendous power in those early scaffolded job opportunities. Absolutely. You asked about some of the trends, and I don't know if this is like a recorded or documented trend, but it's something I hear a lot. Okay. And, and I'm not sure if it's a good thing, and I think we should all re-examine it. And the reason, and this is what I'm referencing, is that I talk to a lot of parents, and the parents might say, I don't want my kid working in McDonald's, or I don't want my kid working at the Wendy's. And I'm like, you know, I don't know if that's the right message. Right, right. Because what you what what we see, even as these youth kind of become adults, they sometimes have unrealistic expectations of what they can accomplish with the level of experience that yeah. they may have. For yeah. example, you know, we had a we had some uh, college students say, you know, well, when I graduate, I think I'm just going to become a chief technology officer. <laughs> yeah, probably not. <laughs> <laughs> you know, probably not. You're probably not going straight there. 
And so there's a level of like humility. I, yeah. I work in assisted living home, you know, like there, you know, I did anything from helping um, the elderly get dressed to, you know, wh- whatever needed to be at that time. And I wasn't too good for that. Yeah. And it taught me a lot. It taught yeah. me humility. It taught me mm-hmm. um, to work hard and care about people, you know? And so we can't, we can't, and I know friends that work in fast food and mm-hmm. they, they're great workers. They're yep. re- Possible adults today, and it taught them something. And, and, and so we can't kind of coddle yeah. our children to the point that they they are too good or too afraid to go and start at a lower level where they need to start, where they're qualified at, and work their, their way up. Because I think we're developing this kind of psychological complex that young people are experiencing. And it really is our fault as yeah. parents. We, we've made them too good for things. Yeah, no, I, you know, I haven't heard anybody articulate that, but you, I think you're dead wrong, or, or, you know, right on in, in, in that remark. And, you know, my high school job, I worked at a video store, which dates me, I know, <laughs> who've seen a video, right? <laughs> but, but to your point, right, just like you working in the assisted living facility, I mean, it was everything. I, you know, my, I had to clean the bathrooms, I had to stock the shelves, I had to, you know, it's all that stuff, right? But, yeah. but it was incredibly valuable, you know, and part of it is I learned a lot of skills, obviously, um, but I also learned a lot of things I didn't want to do. Back to the point of the young woman who didn't want to be a cashier. Great, awesome conversation to have. <laughs> now you know that, right? <laughs> Absolutely. I, I can tell you, I don't have any children, but I can tell you right now, my children are going to be forced to work in some entry level, I mean, true entry level, like fast food for at least six months. They're going to be required to do it for at least six months because they, they need to know, like mm-hmm. nothing with you. That's not that's not a way to go through life thinking. Right. No, and it it, it doesn't uh, it doesn't serve anyone. Uh, and and so so let me let me circle back around sort of as we get ready to sort of wrap up the conversation because the other thing that I think is really really important and I'm curious in your work with these different organizations and companies as they start to come on, um, you know, there's so much conversation. And you know, thank goodness we needed to have it. But I, I, I'm really curious about how, as part of this process, we collectively—and I'm not suggesting that you have the solution. I know I don't have the solution, but maybe somewhere along the journey, right? How do we also help companies and these young folks sort of reconcile um, a lot of the social justice and? equity issues that have plagued our country for a really long time, but that we, that young people are craving um, resolution and solution right now. So rather than continuing this sort of ongoing dialogue that's been happening for a bazillion years at this point, the actual point of action piece. And, and I'm asking the question because it's it's a driver for you today in ways I think it's it's not that it hasn't been there, but I think that because of the evolution of sort of where we are from a social standpoint and the tools and resources, the technology that's available now, we have the ability to put some of these, these things front and center in ways that maybe we weren't tapping into from a workforce standpoint before. What does That's, that look like at Piro? Yeah, I mean, well, just from a Piro standpoint, we talk about access. Mm-hmm. All the, this is this is the main thing that we wanted to do was create efficient and effective access. Right. 
How do you do that for everyone? Leverage technology to do that. Clearly communicate these steps that anybody can take. And then if they can take these steps, they can schedule an interview. And that ha- that has nothing to do with your color. That has nothing. Right. Access is what we have to provide. The, the, the other thing is, you know, with I use this word sincerity a lot because there is a difference between doing something and doing something with sincerity. So what we've seen over the years when it comes to diversity, um, diversified women, diversified African-Americans, Latinos, Mm -hmm. so on and so forth, we haven't seen sincere efforts. We've Mm -hmm. checked off boxes. Right. We've said we'll have a town hall meeting and have a conversation about it, and then we'll just leave that there and do nothing. But we can at least say that we talked about it. And so this has been the behavior of the majority of companies and people who should have an invested interest in in having these conversations and actually putting action to them. Well, up until, you know, up until maybe five, five years ago, we really weren't having the narrative that there is an issue with business if you don't address diversity. Right. There is an issue with your ability to survive as a company if you do not create a diverse workforce. That's where the true change comes mm-hmm. from. Mm-hmm. It has to be a business case in order for it to really take action. Because right now, I mean, if it's just pulling at the heartstrings and this is the right thing to do, we don't typically see that right. in court. No, we um, don't exactly at all, right? Nothing <laughs> changes, right? No, no, and it and it's not. I mean, right, it right. doesn't boil down to the dollar. You know, right. oftentimes it doesn't get done. Okay, and I think that I think that our young people are definitely pushing on this because it's a different generation. You know, a lot of those. Um, barriers and those mental psych- uh, psychosis that we all kind of share as a result of mm-hmm. years of oppression, stereotypes, slavery, whatever the case may be, um, they're not sharing the same things. And e- each generation poses a little bit of the past. And so um, I do think that they're looking at a lot of the things and saying that this isn't right. This is this should be different. And you guys have got to change it. That's pressure. And I think they absolutely do. And I think companies are t- taking hopefully and being a bit more serious about it because they know that if we don't figure out how to create equal opportunity, equal access, equal education for individuals with diverse backgrounds, then we won't have a workforce in 20 years. And I think that we know that and and we're starting to see it, but I think that the effort, they have to increase the effort. They got to get really serious about it and be super sincere. And if if we're not seeing it in numbers and if we're not seeing it in the data within the organization, then it's not happening. Yeah, no, absolutely. And it it is is certainly my hope, but but what I see, you know, sort of as the youth are are, are pushing on a variety of different workplace-based topics, um, the the flip side with some of that, which I think is an intriguing an intriguing space for workforce and for companies. So I'm encouraged to hear you say that the companies that are working with Pira are actually making a genuine effort, right? Because you know, on the one hand, you have the, a, a large percentage of corporate population that are retiring, and they are taking with them both institutional knowledge, but also a lot of practical work 
workplace, workforce knowledge, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so as those folks go off and we bring in all these young new folks who unfortunately, you know, getting further and further out of having that early experience, how do we ensure that we don't end up with a knowledge gap, right? And and so the again, not that we necessarily have the solution at the moment, but it is one of those pieces that I've seen back to your point, you know, I'm going to leave college and I'm going to be, you know, a CIO. You know, well, that's that's a great aspiration, but you're not going to start there. But how do you bridge the gap for them? You know, as that career ladder progresses, and to truly understand where and the value is of the mentoring, uh, the mentorship opportunity of somebody that's about to leave that same company or position, because we are seeing that happen in companies. Right, we're we're retiring all these folks off, we're saving money, we're hiring on these young folks, but they don't have a clue. They don't. But you got you got to ask yourself though. This has not always been the case. Like, exactly. We, you got to ask. Like we all have to ask ourselves. What did we? What did we dismiss that caused us to get to a place where an eighteen year old has no idea how to get to where this more seasoned vets within your company are? Like we we, we got to mm-hmm. ask. That. Yeah. The other thing is that the culture has completely changed as companies you know started cutting costs. They cut, that was the first thing to go, programs for you. So right, right. and we kept cutting and we kept cutting because we need our bottom line to look good to shareholders. And so that that culture that has become the standard thing has got to stop. We've yeah. got to stop it. If you even look at like the kind of industrialists and they, you know, we get a, they get a bad rep. They're like, they created public education as you know it. Public education is uh, outdated because industrialists created it. Okay. That's actually not a bad thing. Right. Companies should be really involved in the development of education because those industries had enough uh, foresight to know that this, we have to influence the youth that are coming across if we think that we're going to have someone that's going to be capable of doing the work or being capable of performing the opportunities that exist today. And today we have to take that same mentality and apply it. And we hope that we do. I think we're far from it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we, we, we hope that we can get there. Well, Thank you very much, Rachel, for spending time with us today. I I hope that everybody that listens to this, um, you know, hops on the internet, you know, and and wants to either be part of what's happening at Piro, or more importantly, you know, get their organizations, their companies to sign up and encourage you to be part of it because you are spot on. So thank you <laughs> so much. I just feel this kindred spirit. I could talk to you for hours. Um, <laughs> And I'm so jazzed about uh, about the work that you're doing. So thank you very much for that. I appreciate that. And thank you. Yes. Anyone that's uh, interested and wants to kind of have impact, please do get in touch. We'll make sure that we post all of the, the contact uh, you know information and all the links uh, when we send everything out. So thank you for joining us today. Oh, thank you. Thank you for joining us for Learning Unboxed conversation about teaching, learning, and the future of work. I want to thank my guests and encourage you all to be part of the conversation. Meet me on social media at Annalise Corbin and join me next time as we stand up, step back, and lean in to reimagine education.